Alrighty, everybody. It's Monday. Yesterday was the uh, first full day of summer, so I decided to surprise uh, Wiz with some uh, loving spoonfuls there to start the show. Um, so, good afternoon to everyone. Wiz, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Very, uh, very interesting uh, change of theme uh, music. I'm, uh, I'm always uh, up for uh, new, exciting ideas and. Uh, yeah, what we got here, we're uh, heading towards the end of June, and we're going to keep going on with uh, teams and um, kind of like the fantasy outlook for the teams uh, as we head into the season. Yep, Guru and Wiz, uh, that's uh, that's what we're here to do. Uh, we're here to we're here to help you out in any way, shape, or form that we can. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, and we're on SoundCloud. So. Uh, We'd like to hear from you, guruandwiz at gmail.com. Uh, and today we're going to tackle the Carolina Panthers, uh, Mike Meadows' favorite team. Uh, we're going to look to see uh, if they've made any, uh, what we think to be significant moves in the offseason. And, and there were a number of changes and how that's going to affect their outlook for the 2020 season, which we, we, sure, as, <laughs> we sure as heck hope happens. Uh, you know, this is a this is a constant uh, everyday changing situation. But you know, we're going to press on because we're of the belief that football is going to keep pressing on, and I know you think that as well. Oh, definitely, and uh, I think Carolina is certainly one of the most interesting teams um, as we head into the season. Uh, very rarely do you have kind of a head coach, a offensive coordinator, and a quarterback all coming from different directions. But that's the case with uh, with Carolina this year. So, uh, you know, why don't you start a little? Tell us uh, what you like and, uh, you know, some of the players, uh, I guess we'll start a quarterback that uh, that you're looking at for this upcoming season. So so I think the most interesting change which taken place is, is you have a new coach uh, in, in rule from Baylor and you have a new offensive co- coordinator who, who, who led the most prolific offense in college football last year in, in Joe Brady. Um, so, so at the top, that's where it starts. They, they come back with the best player in fantasy football last year, and that was Christian McCaffrey. But as you mentioned, there's new leadership at the quarterback position. And unfortunately, with the way the offseason has gone, you know, Teddy Bridgewater did a, a very admirable job filling in for Drew Brees last year when he broke his thumb. Uh, ended up going, I believe it was 5-0. and I think they had some training wheels on him for the first couple of games, but definitely op- opened up the offense a little bit as time went on. And, and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he had an opportunity at, at one point in time to be a starting quarterback in this league with the Vikings. And unfortunately, a gruesome injury really ended all of that. And, and now he finds himself uh, in a position to be a, success- a successful starting quarterback in the NFL again. And um, look, I, I think... You know, Bridgewater seems, at least last year when he was on the field, seemed like he was moving around okay. I I know he wasn't as, uh, you know, moving around the pocket as much as he normally would have, or out of the pocket, I should say. But, you know, it would be interesting to see how this, you know, operates in a first season with a new quarterback, with a new system, in a situation where you're not able to kind of work as a unit in the same way you normally would be. So I think there is a distinct disadvantage as a result of the way this offseason has gone. Yeah, I mean, it's always, it's, always, uh, it's always a little tricky when you have, 
you know, a new head coach and a new offense coordinator and a new quarterback coming in to start. But there, there are some things uh, to like about it. Uh, first of all, in terms of Teddy Bridgewater, he did. He does have some familiarity with Joe Brady, actually, in 2018, the year before he took the uh, offensive coordinator job, uh, assistant coach at LSU. He was uh, an offensive coach with the Saints, and that was the uh, Teddy Bridgewater's first year. So those two do seem to have familiarity. That's number one. Number two, with what Joe Brady really wants to implement, I think fits Teddy Bridgewater's game. He wants to play that horizontal passing game, the short, quick passes. He implemented that and utilized that in LSU with their great receivers. And, you know, with with, with Moore and Samuel uh, and, and McCaffrey, He's gonna. That that's the best part of Teddy Bridges, Bridgewater's game. He's not looking at a strong point. Is not throwing the ball deep down the field. He doesn't have tremendous arm strength. That's not the best part of his game, which I think is gonna probably affect Robbie Anderson a little bit, which we'll get to in a minute. But I think Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater are a good match with the short, quick passing game. And uh, you know, I, I do. I think Teddy Bridgewater will be a top. Eight, ten quarterback, probably not, but I think he'll be, you know, uh, a quarterback who may be a little bit more effective than a lot of people are thinking, considering the coaching staff and players surrounding him. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, players surrounding him, and 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 and, and Christian McCaffrey obviously is. He's gotten tremendous, tremendous amount of workload over the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, last year, you know, over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards, both receiving and rushing. You know, just the the biggest beast in, in the world of fantasy last year. And there are, there are always worries when, when a player is being used that, that frequently. I thought they made an interesting signing, you know, to back him up because I think in the past there's been very little behind him at the running back position. But but Mike Davis, who's a, who's a seasoned guy uh, who had an opportunity in San Fran and Seattle – uh, will back him up now in Carolina. So maybe he gets spelled a little bit. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey is still going to be the hub of this offense for certain. Yeah, I mean, in terms of drafts, this will be the first time I can remember in a long time where if you have the number one pick, there's no thinking about it, there's no contemplating, there's no decision to make. Christian McCaffrey is clearly, clearly the choice if you have pick number one. Um, and, you know, it's just interesting to see because in years past, there's always been a handful of guys that have been that mix or maybe at least two or three guys. But uh, with the numbers that Christian McCaffrey's put up, his ability to catch the ball and then his run after catch of ability like a wide receiver and the way they utilize him, and I'm sure the way that Joe Brady is going to continue to utilize him, he is clearly the number one guy. In terms of... Um, a auction draft for those that participate in auction drafts, you know, not to put you really on the spot, but I guess I kind of am putting you on the spot at a $200 budget. What kind of money would you go out and spend uh, on Christian McCaffrey? I think Christian McCaffrey would be somewhere between 75 and $80 in a 200 budget league. Wow. That's, 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 that's a lot. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, or that's way off. I'm just saying, you know, that's that, that that's that's a lot that you're basically spending. Uh, yeah, it's a scary you know, number. 
Scary number. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're saying somewhere about 40% of your budget on, on one player, uh, if it's 80. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think in $200 leagues, he, he will go for that. Uh, certainly uh, in auction drafts is, uh, you know, would that be a player that you'd be you know, willing to, like, say, okay, yeah, I mean, there's no price that's too high for him. For me, I, I would be just a little bit scared. Uh, and again, he's, you know, what is it? This is fourth year in the league. So, you know, he doesn't have, I mean, he's got a lot of wear and tear from action, but he's still relatively young in terms of his career. So, you know, if, if he happened to fall slightly below that, I think that's that's a, that's a bid that I would definitely be involved in. But I don't know, like going back and, and looking at my team spending that much of a percentage on one player, I would be... Probably a little bit frightened of that notion. Just some late breaking news. I just happened to see this as you were talking. Uh, Dak Prescott signed a $34 million tender um, oh, wow. for, the, for this upcoming season. I'm not sure uh, you know, if that's the preview for a uh, long-term deal or what's about to happen, but that just... Uh, that just happened, so that's that's interesting. Real that's that's real breaking news as uh, as you were talking. But yeah, I agree. I agree with what uh, with what what you said about McCaffrey. You just you you don't know, but man, he is just a a, a fantasy football machine, and uh, he certainly is capable of carrying a fantasy football team on his back. And uh, moving to wide receivers. Uh, the, the, wide, the wide receivers in Carolina are certainly good. Um, they send out interesting trio of Samuel, DJ Moore, and uh, and Robbie Anderson. I personally feel like Robbie Anderson's game suits Teddy Bridgewater's game the least, and um, and he may be the one out of the three that will, I think, uh, you know, maybe have a drop off in fantasy football. Uh, points because I think you know with the routes and the type of Robbie An- uh, player that Robbie Anderson is. I'm not sure that that suits Teddy Bridgewater's game, but DJ Moore and Samuel um, both excel at that short passing game, bubble screens, uh, run after catch. They they both um, are very elusive. So, well, what do you think about the the wide receivers' uh, fantasy value the upcoming season for the Panthers? So. Um... DJ Moore really came on last year. He only, he only missed one game. You know, he reminds me he reminds me a little bit of a guy like that used to play here in the New York area, uh, Lavernius Coles. That, that's that's who DJ Moore reminds me of. And uh, I, look, I like the player. Uh, I, I thought Samuel had a potential to really break out last year. Um, he was probably a little underwhelming last year in that offense. Um, but, you know, I think... I, I think I think the one thing uh, I think the one thing for me is that it sounds like he's a player that's going to probably play in the slot a lot, Samuel, and that's something that I think, as you mentioned, in the offense that Brady is trying to run, he and he may end up being a more integral part of this offense, and maybe we see a little bit more of what we thought would happen last year. Maybe he starts to blossom even a little bit more this year. So so I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, you know, as far as as far as Carolina goes, as far as Carolina goes with with Robbie Anderson, I thought Robbie Anderson was a was a fun guy to own as, as a Jet, but I, I'm a little bit of afraid. I'm a little bit afraid of two things. One, you know, chemistry will be a little bit more complicated, especially in this system because it does not look 
in, in for the for the vertical game as much, and you know the familiarity there is just is, is not the same as, as it would be with guys who have been in the system you know Carolina system already in, in Samuel and DJ Moore. So, you know, a little bit nervous about Robbie Anderson in this offense. That's what I would say. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, and that's how I see it. I want to hop back to quarterback for a second because there's something that um, we didn't talk about that I think deserves to be talked about for a second is that the Panthers signed the ex, the XFL phenom PJ Walker, yep. who played for Rula Temple, uh, got drafted, I believe, by the Colts in 2017, and is going to get a chance uh, to play for Carolina this year. Do you see PJ Walker being used? Uh, China, maybe as a Taysom Hill type role. Do you think he could actually get in there a quarterback? I mean, do you think we'll see some of PJ Walker this upcoming football season? And I think, you know, he's a player that we should have talked about. Yeah, a great catch. Great catch was. And I think we may see him in a little bit of that kind of alternate role. Uh, maybe not as, as in-depth as, as Taysom Hill's role is, but I think you could see him a little bit more uh, dabbled in on certain, uh, in certain setups uh, that they're looking to run. You know, you mentioned Rule at Temple. Um, Robbie Anderson went to Temple too, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so, so it is an interesting landing spot. So, so Rule obviously has some familiarity with, with him as a player too. So, you know, it, uh, so to answer your question, yeah, I think, I, think, I think P.J. Walker does get sprinkled in, you know, as, as a football nut. I did catch a couple of those uh, XFL games, and, I, and he did impress me with his skill set. Yeah, I wonder how how they're going to use him. I'm sure they have some tricks up their sleeve, and uh, he will stick their nose in there. Uh, I, I want to I want to actually mention one other player. You know, you mentioned Brady being in New Orleans. So in 2018, there was a guy by the name of Keith Kirkwood, um, big tall guy, six three, six four, that got in there. He stuck his nose in there. I think he caught about 15 or 20 balls in 2018. I think he was hurt all of last year. Somehow he's found his way onto this uh, Carolina roster. I thought that was an interesting one, too. So something to keep an eye on as, you know, a big target around the end zone because this team doesn't exactly have a – we'll talk about tight end in a second. But, uh, you know, around the end zone, you know, Greg Olson was always uh, a presence for this team. Uh, But I just wanted to throw that name out there as being someone to watch. When when an offense coordinator ends up getting a player that he had – year before maybe he has something that he has in mind for this particular player as well so just a just a deep sleeper. yeah no, I, I i could see you know definitely and he was an interesting player and i'm sure i'm sure they're familiar with him and i'm sure there's a there's a reason for that and he, he certainly adds to the depth chart before we talk about ian thomas and what you think about him now having a full-time tight end job that now that uh, greg olson has moved on to the seahawks i want to just say one thing for, for those people uh, who were high on Curtis Samuel last year and then kind of look at his numbers and they were off. I mean, I wouldn't really hold it against the player. I would hold it more against the quarterbacking for Carolina. In my view, Kyle Allen has the same quarterbacking skills as Woody Allen. It's not good. I wouldn't be so much. Uh, I wouldn't hold that against Curtis Samuel. I think he could have a rebound here, and uh, you know he's a player that I think will be better suited in this type of offense. With that said, uh, let it, you know tell us what you think about Ian Thomas um, taking over the full time role. Do you think he can emerge as one of these guys? 
similar to like a Blake Jarwin where he's been behind a veteran all of his time and now gets his time to shine. What are your what are your what are your thoughts on Ian Thomas and that offense? So uh, two years ago, uh, towards the end of the season, I actually owned this player and um, he stuck his nose in there in 2018 when Olsen was hurt and showed some very good athletic ability. Um, he's not, he's, he's six, four, six, five, you know, he, he runs pretty well. And I think, as you mentioned, he was learning from Greg Olson. So I think this is one of those players who you're going to get at the end of your draft or, you know, a $1 tight end to be your backup tight end who could end up surprising you catching 40 or 50 balls, you know, kind of that second half of the tight end pack that we talk about and being a part of this offense that's basically largely going to be ignored, I think, in most drafts. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, I, I think you don't want to dismiss anybody in that Carolina offense. Uh, and, and kind of interesting to see what they do, um, how quickly they start running plays. If, um, you know, they got that horizontal passing game going and they're running a lot of plays, you know, a lot of players on their offense could be, uh, uh, you know, benefactors of that. So I don't think you should really discount anyone that's going to be starting on the Carolinas, uh, on Carolinas offense. And uh, did you want to talk a minute about Joey Sly? <laughs> so I would, you know, <laughs> how easy sneaked us last year in our, uh, in our Bronx league draft, uh, we tried to stick him in there for a dollar and he bid two. I was infuriated, but uh, yeah, Joey Sly had a big year last year, a kicker, you know, Graham Gano was a successful fantasy kicker here for a couple of years. I was reading that he is healthy as well and he's still on this roster. So there is going to be a kicking competition for this team. And we know that the kicking situation for some other teams isn't particularly good. So this team potentially could have two fantasy kickers, maybe not necessarily on the same team, but two guys that may be out there kicking uh, this year. So something to keep an eye on for the upcoming season. Absolutely. Good stuff. Anything else uh, you want to add about Carolina? Or nope. Nope. Carolina on, the, uh... on my mind. We're, we're, we're moving on. This was, uh, this was a good discussion. Uh, I enjoy it. I tell you, I, I will just say the one thing. This is one of the teams that I really wish, actually, that we were not under this restriction that we were in, and this was a team that was actually being able to implement what they wanted to because it might have been a lot of fun to watch as opposed to maybe a little bit more challenging at the start of this current season. That's the one thing I would say. I like the offensive. I like the talent on the team. I like the guys that are going to be calling the shots. I'm just a little bit worried of the atmosphere that we're in and how that impacts them. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Wiz, so we're going to continue on with this odyssey. Uh, with Next up is the Chicago Bears, and that should be an interesting one. But uh, good talking to you about this one, and uh, see you in the next episode. You got it.